Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Song. With your host, Daryl Prale. Join us as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl. And it's another week here at the Inside Inside Sales Show. How are you doing, folks? I don't know about you. I am going nuts. I have a variety of challenges in my life not to complain, but here I go. I'm going to complain again. As I record this, the Christmas season, the holiday season is upon us. And of course, I'm nowhere near ready to go because that means I suck at managing my time. Can you relate to that? I know. It's a lifelong challenge, shall we say. Uh, you know, my wife always says to me, I'm amazed at how much you can do. Like you were just like so focused and you just like cranked through it. And that's her optics, right? That's an interesting point of view. My point of view is I suck at it. I'm always behind. I'm always playing catch up. I'm always apologizing. I'm always asking for an extension. Yeah, I suppose in the big picture, I'm getting stuff done, but that doesn't meet my expectations of me. So I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but that's certainly something that I am afflicted with, my lifelong struggle. We all have that, don't we? We all have these tidbits about our personality that we're self-aware. And what you don't understand, or maybe you do, is that those influence and affect your ability to sell, whether it's on the phone and email and social, what have you. I'll give you another example, another one of my insecurities. You know, when I'm on social media, if you follow me, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, I guess I have a reputation of being a straight shooter. I like to think instead of being a straight shooter, I'm just being honest and, and real. You make a BS statement or you're misleading. I'll give you an example. I hate when people mislead young people or new people to the sales profession with promises of riches and millions. If you just do X, you just do Y, you just make more calls. You know, while that may be true, often that's the exception and they need to focus more on their technique and they need to be strategic and they need to understand how to handle a lot of this stuff. And when I see that, I just viscerally react. I call them out on it. I'm like, really? You think if I work 23 to 24 hours a day, I'm going to get a million dollars this year. You know, there's consequences, there's, there's, there's life decisions, there's family, there's friends, there's hobbies, there's whatever, you know, maybe you're caring for your ailing mother who's in a home. You've got balance in your life you have to pursue. So I call them out. But the reality is when I do that, my own insecurity says, oh, Daryl, they're going to yell at you. They're going to, they're going to think you're an ass. They're going to be all over you. And before you know it, then I, I second guess and I hesitate in my posts. And again, that insecurity about upsetting somebody, but that conflict that comes through and everything I do. It's no different than when I'm on the phone or I'm even in a live face-to-face meeting. We're having a, a conversation. I'm trying to convey and demonstrate and persuade on the challenges that that prospect might have and on the merits of my decision, on my solution, and how my solution can really make their life better. If I understand you, Mr. Prospect, you're telling me you have, you have this situation, you have this pain, it's having this impact on you, you have this critical event coming up shortly, and if you don't do anything, this is the consequences. You know, I hear you. Did I get that right? Yeah, I get that right. Okay, well, here you go. Blah, 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 blah. And you can see how my solution will help you with that one now that we've done this little bit of discovery. And then they throw out objection after objection after objection. And my insecurity 
really comes to the fore. Did I not prep enough? Did I not do enough homework? Did I not have research? Am I not ready? And then I find myself occasionally, I know this is going to rock your world, stammering, stumbling, hesitating. And of course, you don't want to hesitate. You want to build and convey confidence. If they say you're not sure, then they're not going to be sure. So how do you monitor that? How do you handle those objections in life? And that could be an objection on a social media post like I just talked about, but more than likely, it's going to be an objection in your sales efforts. You finally get that prospect on the phone. You're on the phone with a gatekeeper. No matter what, you're having that conversation and they throw that objection your way. What do you do? How do you handle it? Well, you know, I am not that smart. Michael Padone, founder and CEO of SalesBuzz, and you can check him out at salesbuzz.com. And again, you should be multitasking. If you're not driving right now, listening to this, pull up LinkedIn, go to Michael Badone, Sales Buzz, click follow or connect your choice, whatever he's got there. He, my friends, he knows the answer to how to handle objections. And he's here today. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Happy holidays to you. Absolutely. You're a Minnesota. Yeah. You're, the, yeah. you're a huge hockey fan, are you not? Uh, my daughter plays hockey, so I'm up here with her right now. But uh, I'm actually, uh, the home office is in Tampa. So waking up to negative six degrees today was a little <laughs> bit of a shock. A couple of days ago, I was swimming in my pool. Were you really? You know? And now you're here. And your daughter, yeah. is she on a scholarship? Is that what's going on there? Is that why you're no, She's actually, she plays, she plays for a prep team up here called Shattuck St. Mary's. So, uh, but she just had hip surgery. So it's her senior year. And uh, so I'm just up here taking care of her and getting her to her appointments, get her healed back up. So hopefully we can get her back on the ice and win a national championship this year. What a fantastic father. See, now I'm feeling insecure again. I'm going full circle because <laughs> I was never that good. So <laughs> there you have it. All right. So Michael, talk to me about objections. This is what we're here for today. I want to understand. I know you and I have had a conversation. We were on a webinar recently together where we talked mm -hmm. about this and we, it was, the conversation was so lively that we actually ran out of time. We actually went over and the audience was not complaining about running out of time. The audience was complaining that they had to leave because the content was so good. So that's when I said, boom, I have to have you back on this conversation on the podcast because my posse here wants to hear from you. So let's start with the basics. What's your, your biggest beef or your biggest let's talk moment when it comes to handling objections? What do you see happening over and over again? And where should somebody start if they're looking sure. to be better? First of all, if we're talking about SDRs, right? Because there's two types of objections. There's objections in the beginning of the sale. Typically, there's objections towards the end of the sale, right? So if you're talking about objections where you're having a hard time getting the decision makers even agree to have a conversation with you, you know, you hear the no thanks, not interested, we're all set, you already use somebody, you're not in the budget, you know, you're hearing that stuff right up front. I think we should talk about that first. So whether you're a new SDR or whether you've been doing this for a while and you've plateaued and you're not getting to the next level and you're struggling with those, is that it's not in stone that you have to have those objections. See, a lot of times salespeople think that, okay, since we're in sales, I'm going to get this objection and then I have to have face get and I have to come up with something creative to say to get over that. And that's one strategy, but it quickly leads to burnout sales doesn't become fun as you go on. And next thing you know, you're looking for something else to do, or you're looking for another job or what have you. And then it's just turnover and you go to the next place and you start all over again. And six months to a year later, you're in the same spot because you're just tired of getting those objections. And the thing is, this is there is another strategy where you could avoid a lot of those objections right up front. The secret lies in, first of all, recognizing having self-awareness or having somebody else that's proven it over and over again say to you, listen, 
you don't have to always run into that. You can drastically reduce those types of objections by about 80%. That's huge. If you switch that around to where you're only getting rejected 20% of the time in the very beginning of a call, you won't even care about the 20% of the time because the other 80% you're getting through and you're getting to the next level. So I think the thing that we have to start with is recognizing that, you know what? The objections, if you want to continue down that sales path where you're going to run into them and try to overcome them, you can do that if you want, or you can actually learn another sales strategy where it eliminates those objections before they happen so you can have a better chance of getting the conversation started. As I listen to you, I know every single rep on the call right now is saying, but my, my manager or my executive mm-hmm. or you know our in-house coach is turning over in their grave right now because they yell at me nonstop that I have to have all of my objection handling responses down and I need to be able to respond and then be able to give them. Yeah. And you're telling me you know, I can do that, but there's another way of handling it. Let me posit this, folks. You want to do both. Like you definitely want to have those in the back of your head. You want to have them memorized. And I'll tell you why. Not just because that's the point counterpoint back and forth that takes place in a sales call, that little dance, if you will. But candidly, I'm speaking as a marketer for a second with a product marketing background, is you want to understand how your solution works, how it differentiates, how it addresses their pain. You truly want to understand that. So it's not just that, you know, you want to know the verbiage to use to counter you actually want to intrinsically, intuitively, innately know that because then when you deliver the line, you're going to physically just sound way more credible. But I do want to come back to what he's saying here. He's spot on. What if you could perhaps avoid a lot of these objections before they ever appear, which is what he's getting at. So Michael, how do we do that? Okay. So the first step is awareness that there is another way. The second step is this, before we actually get to the execution, it goes back to, you mentioned the pain. Sales reps have to know who their target audience is. I asked somebody the other day in one of my classes, and I was getting ready to role play, and I would say, who's your target audience? You know, they, they do uh, optimization, search engine, marketing, things that nature. And they go, the guy says, anybody with a website? And I'm like, no, that's the problem. Most salespeople go wide instead of deep because they don't want to lose any sales. So they want to take anybody and everybody. And the problem is you spread yourself too thin. You want to go deep. If you're an SDR, you should know the top, Three industries that normally buy from you. You might have 20 industries that different industries that buy from you, example, but you should know who the top three that buy the most. You should know location, average employee size, average revenue size. These are basics. You should be able to know how to pick your zebra out of the herd and go, you know what? If they have this, this, and this, there's a higher percentage chance that they're going to buy from me. So now, once you know what that is, you also need to know what problems would they have to have in order for them to be interested in what your product or service solves. Calling and saying, you know, I want to learn about your needs or tell me about your needs is is so old and outdated. You have to understand, your business is only in business because it solves problems for specific scenarios and situations. You might have lots of different types of scenarios and situations. You might have a very narrow niche. But in each one of those categories, you're going to have a very particular audience that's going to go ahead and resonate with that. And so as a SDR, I don't have to always get objections. There's a better way, which we are going to show you today real quick. But it also starts with knowing who's your right audience. If you are simply calling on somebody that has absolutely no need for what you offer, you could have the best sales strategy in the world, and you're going to have to work a million times harder to get one person to buy from you. You could have basic sales skills, but hit the right target audience, and you're going to do very well. 
It makes perfect sense. Know who your audience is. I would say as a marketer, know who your ideal customer profile yeah. is, you know, where you kick ass and where you can have the easiest impact and the fastest way to connect, especially from a marketing point of view. And sales is no different this front. You only have a few seconds often to establish that level of interest. Personal story that, that changed my viewpoint on cold calling and prospecting. Go for it. Uh, so I've always been a strong closer. I took this one job and they wanted me to do a lot more cold calling first and prospect. Normally the leads are just there. They actually wanted me to prospect and find my own leads. Oh, I equated it to, you know, a um, the old style vacuum cleaner salesman going door to door and yeah. throwing dirt on there. When they open up, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. And he goes, no, listen, we were selling advertising, right? So he goes, here, you get this competitor's magazine. Here's what you do. You start flipping through the magazine in all the ads that are full page ads. That's your target audience. So we wanted to get advertisers into our side. He says, ignore all the quarter page or a little eighth of a page or half page ads, those people are just testing the waters. The people that are already spending money, they already know the value. They're, they're already looking to gain new business, go after the full page ads, they have the money. And it was just something that small that is what led me down the path of learning what an ICP is. And then starting to ask more questions about the basics. And then from there, it was like, I had no fear of picking up the phone because I knew that if what I'm going to say is going to resonate so soundly with them, I won't care about the few rejections I get for the day because I'm flipping the funnel in the sense where instead of getting 80% rejection or 90% rejection, I'm getting 80 or 90% acceptance. And I don't care about the other 10 to 20% uh, rejection at that point. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I love it. So I want to do a teaser here with the audience. I know that Michael's a huge fan of the power of the opening value statement, which is Absolutely. tied to your ICP. So with that, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. Stay tuned, folks. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time and make less than two attempts to contact them and they're only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is an engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more by ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds persistently and with the cadence that's optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. Okay, so we're back. Know your audience, know your ICP, know your, uh, you also talk about, know your objective. I've heard you talk about that, but we'll get to that in a second. Talk to me about the opening value statement, because this is really where the rubber hits the road and how you can preempt a lot of those objections, if I recall. It is, but you have to put things in proper order, right? So you mentioned we're going to get to the objective in a second. The actual, the objective has to come. You have to know what the objective is before you get the right opening value statement, right? So before we get to OVS, most salespeople think that their objective, even if they're an SDR, their objective is to set an appointment. Okay, let me ask you a question. Why would you set an appointment with an unqualified prospect for your AE? Now, most SDRs will go, well, no, I got the right title. I'm calling the person with the right title, so they're qualified. That's not qualifying. There's three phases to qualifying. The first phase of qualifying is, do they have a problem that they want solved that your solution can fix? If they don't have that, there's, they're not qualified. That's really hard for salespeople to comprehend. 
And they're like, wait a minute. No, I mean, we offer this. They're in the right industry. They'll, they'll want our service. Not always. Let me give an example. If you sell cars, if the dude just bought a brand new car yesterday and you follow up, them, guess what? Not qualified. Doesn't need it. Just got one point here though, right folks? And you're right now going, but I have these activity numbers I have to hit. I have to have so many dials. I have to have so many conversations and I have to set so Mm -hmm. many meetings. And if I've got a dude willing to take a meeting, why would I not do that? Michael's point here is think about that. Yeah. You may have made a meeting and you hit your activity number, but if the AE takes that and says, this is a chump change meeting, this is a waste of my time. And I could have been closing somebody else when I was following up this piece of crap. Then all of a sudden they're going to not want to take your meetings anymore. You want to be strategic and set killer meetings so that when the AE takes that, they're going to go, oh my gosh, this is a meeting from Prail. Every yeah. single one he gives me is killer. And boom, your career just goes on a rapid trajectory. Fully agree with the point you're making there. Talk to okay. me about the opening value statement, because I want right. to get and throw some questions at you, some common objections, but I'm Absolutely. cognizant of the time. All right. So, so here's the thing. You build your prospect list that matches that. You know what your objective is. You want to get a conversation going so you can qualify them and then set that appointment where I'll have a higher close rate. How do you do that? Let's say you have all that information in front of you. You got the right suspects in that database. It's what you say after hello, my name is, is going to be the case. See, most people get objections after they do their introduction because their opening value statement is all about them and what they do and not what it solves for the prospect. Well, like I said, so if you call and say, hi, this is Michael Padone with XYZ Company, and we provide blah, 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 and I'd like to get on your calendar. Is next Tuesday or Thursday better for you? You're probably going to hear, no thanks, not interested, we're all set, already have somebody <laughs> that does that, uh, not in the budget. And now the, the, the strategy that is widely taught is, well, when they say that, come back with something else. I heard somebody say recently, well, and ask a question like, well, you're not interested in increasing sales? Yeah, I mean, that's I love that so, it's uh, so it's confrontational yes. that, of course, they are interested in increasing sales. But now you're standoffish. I mean, if you were picking up somebody in the bar that way and you responded like that, I mean, obviously, they're not going to gravitate to you. They're going to pull away. And but then, you're not and interested so, in having great sex? I don't know why <laughs> that would not work. I just don't understand. Oh, my gosh. You know? but, but so so thing, what should they have done? This, How should they phrase that? You have to structure your opening value statement where it's front loaded with, you got to agitate a painter, scratch an itch. And you don't want to do a sales pitch, right? You don't want to do a spray and pray. For those of you that are getting somebody on the phone and you just data dump, I know why you're doing it, right? You're just, you believe so strongly that you can help them, but you're just so tired of getting rejected that you're just going to throw everything at them and you're hoping that something sticks. And you know what? It might work once in a while, but if that's your strategy, you're going to lose a lot more deals than you ever win. So the thing is this, is you have to think in the words of Twitter. Like Twitter was because it was like short and sweet, right? 140 characters is what it started with, right? Your opening value statement has to be very short, sweet, agitated paint, scratch and itch, and you want to gain permission to continue the call so the guard drops and the ears go up. So let me give you a bad example like I just did earlier, right? Uh, The reason for my call is we provide blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'd like to get on your calendar, you're going to get resistance. So you want to turn resistance into interest before the resistance happens. So one way I do it is this. Hi, this is Michael Padone with salesbuzz.com. And listen, the reason for my outreach is my course on inside sales actually helps outbound sales teams learn how to get decision makers on the phone so they can increase their pipeline. And if I caught you at a good time, I'd love to ask you a few questions just to see if what we have to offer, maybe it's some help to you. Would that be okay? 
Farm, and you're giving me the power, which I like that. At least it, it feels like you're giving me the power. It I can feels yes or like, no. it feels like yes. it feels like they're in control. Right. Said, see, this is one of the greatest secrets of control is the more control you give away, the more you retain, right? Because if, if their guard comes down, I'm peaking their interest and lowering their resistance, but they also feel like they're in control. I'm actually in control because the strategy is going to get me what I needed anyway. I've okay. heard versions of that almost identical to what you just said with a slight twist because they may still say no, but they may say, and I can do that in about 30 seconds. Do you have 30 seconds? Right. And, or, and by the way, feel free to time me. Now I know that's a personal style, but the point is even for me, I, a, I answered the phone. So I knew I was going to be in a conversation. So you can do this in 30 seconds or 60 seconds or whatever. And then, and then we can decide whether we want to continue go. You got my time. Here, here, so here's why. Here's why I think that's bad sales advice, or at least it's not the next level up sales advice, right? Because if you say the 30 seconds or you try to be cute and do the 27 seconds, just so yep. it breaks it up. Yep. It puts you in a situation where you have to do a screen fight. You have 27 seconds where you have to do a data dump. I don't want to do a data dump. I want to get a conversation going. So my style is to peak interest and gain permission to continue the call because if they go, yeah, I got a second, go ahead. I'm like, great. And now I already know the next three questions I'm going to ask in the qualifying phase and I love to that. engage them. Boom. You nailed it right there. So yeah, sure. Go ahead. Next three questions and you're engaging them. That's brilliant. All right. Absolutely. Let me flip it on you. Let me go yeah. into kind of rapid fire. Now we understand the, the, uh, the importance of knowing your audience. We understand the importance of your right. opening value statement. Uh, we understand that you need to understand your objective. So let's use some real life examples here. Yeah. Classic early call objections. Right. We don't have time today for middle of the call objections, but here we go. You do your thing you just did to me. And my answer to you is sorry, but I'm busy right now. Listen, I, I totally get it. I wouldn't be calling you if I didn't think I could help your sales team tremendously. I just need a minute to ask you a few questions. Would that be okay? All right. So explain to me what you just did there. If you had to break that down kind of semantically. If you're a sales director, who turns down getting their inside sales team to perform better and increase their pipeline? I didn't overpromise. I didn't guarantee anything. I said there's a possibility, but I just need to ask you a few questions. So I'm teasing that with the carrot. So that's all by design go, you know what? Okay. I got a second. Go ahead. But if they said right now is really not a good time, I'm prepared. You talked about being prepared, having that script. You know, these guys have metrics and numbers to hit. I still want you to be prepared for the no. I just want you to get no a lot less. So when you do get a no, I'm not going anywhere. I said, listen, I understand your time is extremely valuable. I wouldn't be calling you if I didn't think I could help you solve X, Y, Z, but I would just need to ask you a few questions first to be sure. Would that be okay? So I try a second time. What you're going to hear when you do it right is one of two things. They're going to say, okay, go ahead. Or they're going to go, listen, no, you know what? I'm interested, but I have to get to a meeting. Call me this afternoon. That's okay. The third thing is, right, there's only three things. They're going to say yes. They're going to say set a time to call, or they're going to come back with a third no. So I have a strategy for that. You ready? Yeah. It's called planting the seed. So if you came back out after I tried that second thing, right now is really not a good time. No problem. I'll tell you what. What I'm going to do is this, Daryl, because I really think I can help you. I'm going to send you my contact information. If you ever run into a situation where you're going to have to start having some uncomfortable conversations with your sales reps, they're not hitting their numbers, they're not picking up the phone, uh, their skills aren't where they need to be, I might be able to help you with that. At least you'll have somebody you could reach out to and we can have that conversation at that time. Is that fair enough? That's totally fair. It's cool. Right. And then I'll confirm his email address. I send him my contact information. I put him in my file, a uh, marketing campaign. If, if I'm really hot on this guy I'll set, or girl, right, I'll set up a, uh, a, a next call. Notice I didn't call it a follow-up yet. That's right. I'll set up a next call. And then I'm gone. I can't tell you how many times a trigger event will end up happening to that dude 
And all of a sudden, they're sending me an email. They're calling me back. Now I have an inbound lead, all because I planted the seed. I used to do it so many times that my manager said, that guy has no chance. I mean, he was, you know, it was like a little worm in his brain all night. You know, he kept thinking about, you know, if you're a sales director, you're going to have uncomfortable conversations if they're not hitting numbers, right? Things of that nature. So this is where you have to know the pain points of your target audience. Now, somebody might listen to this and go, well, that works for you in the sales training field. No, I did the same thing in every industry. I mean, the plays are the same. It's the words that are changed based on the industry and the pain points. What I love about what you just did too, and I keep on saying this over and over again on our, on our pods here, is you played the long game. You, you ultimately said, you know, option number three, can I send you some information and, you know, whatever. And the point is, boom, nine times out of 10, they come back to you. You played the long game. Too many of you listening are trying to get that home run every single time that first call. Don't. Build a relationship, play the long game. Next one. We already have someone for that, but thanks anyways. See, that means your opening value statement is you're talking about your product and what you do, not what you solve. Listen, your target audience already has a solution for what you offer. I don't care what you sell. They already have some type of solution that you offer. You're not coming up with a brand new invention. They have, so whether you're selling a software, or if it's logistics or if it's marketing, they already have something in place. If you're getting that response, your opening value statement is talking about what you offer and not what you solve. So for me, if I would have called you and said, hey, let's say you're a sales director and I go, you know, the reason for my call is I, I offer an online sales training course and I wanted to you know, ask you a few questions like, oh, yeah, where are you sales training in-house? That would have been because my opening value statement sucked and it led you to respond that way. But if I said, the reason for my call, I specialize in helping outbound sales teams overcome call reluctance. If you have a team of 20 sales reps, I bet you have at least five struggling with call reluctance, even though you have sales training in-house. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not getting that objection. I'm getting a better response. Does that make sense? It makes sense. You're speaking to the pain and the benefit as opposed to speaking to what you do, right? So you're leading to a conversation. That's a big thing. I love that. Next one. We don't have money in the budget for this right now, but thanks anyways. That tells me that you over-explained in the beginning. You did a data dump on what you did. So you didn't follow the process. Your opening value statement's job is to do two things and two things only, and it's supposed to do it in this order. It's supposed to peak interest first, gain permission second. So once that happens, if you peak interest and then you gain permission, you're now in a position where they're giving you permission to be able to ask them some questions, right? So you get a conversation going. This is what you want. If you're getting the objection that you just mentioned, it tells me you're over explaining what you offer. And then they go, yeah, we don't have it in the budget for that. And now you can try to overcome that and you can do that sales path or as a straight commission sales rep all my adult working life, I got tired of that. The burnout was high. Sales wasn't fun. I wasn't making any money. I analyzed why am I getting these instead of trying to overcome them, I'm going, what did I do to cause it? And then when I fixed my opening value statement, I left those objections in the dust and I started to have more conversations, started making more money. It's up to you guys on which path you want. All right. So if you're like me, folks, I know you're listening to Michael and you're going, damn, keep on going, keep on going. But you may have noticed we're, we're basically out of time. What I want you to do, if you haven't done it already, is I want you to follow Michael on all the social media platforms. You can learn more about his services, sales training, everything sales related, salesbuzz.com. Michael, what's the best way for them to call you or contact you directly? Best way, if you have a sales team that needs help, you know, go to my website, salesbuzz.com. You can take a free course uh, on demand right there. All my training is done live like this. Uh, But if you're interested, if you need help, take the free course first, see if you like 
what the on-demand session has to say. And if, if it resonates, then, uh, you know, reach out to me. And we'll, we'll talk from there. Talk about the world's most understated sell, but most compelling. Take the free course. Why would you not take the free course? And in fact, you should take the free course with everybody you work with and throw it to your managers as well. And you're going to see the impact it makes. Take the free course, apply the lessons, use these lessons here, A-B test it like we talk about all the time, guys. Try it in real life. And if it works, go back to salesbuzz.com and Michael Bell and continue this conversation with him. My name is Daryl Pro. Michael, thank you for your time today. Thank you, guys. Hope All right, we're it. done. We're out of here, folks. Wishing you a wonderful holiday if you're listening to this in real time. If you listen to this on demand, pay me. Ask me what gifts I've got. In the meantime, I'm Daryl Pro. I'm with Vanilla Soft. This is the Inside Inside Sales Show. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. Sponsored by VanillaSoft.